Hello and welcome to another episode of Jackson Talks, everybody. With me, your host, Aaron Mashpitz, a.k.a. Jackson Stone. This is episode 118, holy cow, of Jackson Talks, everybody. And we have an absolutely fantastic guest today. So, Mike Bennett, welcome to the show. Howdy. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm finally glad we we were able to make this happen. We've been talking for like the past month, and uh, this is great. I'm, 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 a, I'm a super big fan, and I love everything you do. So, like I said to you before we started recording, I think this is a match made in heaven. I think this is going to be cool. I 100% agree. I, I've been following you and your journey for a while, inside and outside of the ring. I deeply resonate with I don't want to say 100% of everything you tweet, because that may be a lot, but like a majority of everything <laughs> that you tweet, I uh, I resonate with. And and now, and the things you talk about with addiction and recovery and mental health and being vulnerable and being a father and being on the road all the time and managing all that. And of course, our mutual interest of professional wrestling and all of that good stuff. So I'm, I'm pumped to, to dive into that today. But before we really get into all that meat and bones, I have one very specific question to ask you, Mike. And it's the, it's the theme of this podcast. It's the reason sure. why I want to do this podcast to kind of uncover this question, to answer it honestly and openly. And I think you do that a lot on your social media platform, but I'm going to ask you here now with this long form conversation. Mike, with everything you got going on, how are you doing? Like, really, how are you doing? You know, man, honestly, um, I hope there's a time in my like, I like you said, I'm, I'm an open person, uh, open person. I'm an open book. I said that to you. And I really like to let people into my life so they can see uh, what we're going through, how we survive. There's going to be a time when I write a book and I completely open up about this chapter of my life. Because when I tell you that I hope you don't mind me cussing on your podcast, but when I tell you that in our life for the past two years, it's been shit hitting the fan after shit hitting the fan after shit hitting the fan. I mean, shit has constantly been hitting the fan for me and Maria. And the reason why I've been so adamant lately about putting out videos is because I am strangely at peace with the shit hitting the fan for the first time in my life. And I think, I think I was put in this place on purpose. I think that everything has kind of culminated to say to, to, to say to myself and to say to my family, there's going to be a lot that goes on in this moment, but mentally you're going to be the most at peace you've ever been. And that's truly where I'm at. There's a lot of crap that's happening right now. There's a lot of um, uh, career uncertainty. There's a lot of life uncertainty there's just normal shit and then the, the wrestling world's crazy right now we've lost our job twice in two years and i'm still a recovering drug addict and we're still trying to figure out how to raise two kids and we're still in a small town in the middle of nowhere and i think if this was me five years ago i would have absolutely lost my mind and come unglued but i'm actually the happiest i've ever been in my entire life and i don't i'm not just saying that i have somehow been able I don't say somehow been able. I know exactly what happened. When we got fired from Ring of Honor, um, I remember looking around and seeing my wife and seeing my kids and saying to myself, having that realization at that moment, as long as I have this, I'm good. I'm good. This is my happiness. This is my peace. And from that moment on, I've been in that place. It's just been a grind, a struggle. But at the end of the day, when I go to bed and I lay my head on my pillow, I'm like, 
I'm really genuinely the happiest I've ever been. And, and I know life is roller coaster, so I know you just got to enjoy this moment, deal with the next one. But for me, if you're questioning how how am I, I'm I'm pretty good, man. I'm I'm really enjoying life. Hmm. What a what an excellent answer. But like to get to that the point you're currently at, right? It's like a long, difficult, challenging, arduous grind process, right? If people know anything about your story, they they probably would agree with you that five years ago you probably wouldn't have felt this way. And so it's not to say that you have to go through these challenges, but you will. Like inevitably, pain is part of life. And so is there any wisdom you've you can bestow that you've taken from that that's that's allowed you to kind of get to this moment where you can just see things as they come kind of maybe be able to control that response and give out your best effort regardless of what maybe the external circumstances are yeah um there to me there actually is and it was for so long and i think uh, like i've really over the past i mean clearly i've been i've been sober for the last five years but it wasn't until probably the last six months, seven months, eight months that I really was like, you know what? I'm going to dig down deep and try to figure out why did I become an addict? What led me here? What was all this about? And I started meditating. I started journaling. I started doing all these things that I thought was just hippie guru BS that doesn't really work. And I found out it actually works. Mm. And I found out meditating is one of the greatest things anybody can do. And My guy, but- Yes. Whether it's five minutes, whether it's 10 minutes, whether it's an hour, just find that time to completely clear your brain has helped me out immensely. And this has just been something that's happened over the last seven or eight months since I got fired from Ring of Honor. But meditating, journaling, all this stuff, I'm, I'm heavy into, uh, into books, into podcasts. And what it's taught me is that you can't just sit back and think life is always going to be sunshine and rainbows. But you also can't just always sit back and think life is going to be miserable. Mm. Life is always right down the middle. Some moments are going to be really difficult. Other moments are going to be amazing that you wish you could do again and you can't. But the trick is never too high, never too low. It's always steady as she goes. And that has helped me put everything into perspective. Because like I said to you, I'm really happy right now. There are certain aspects of my life that I wish were different or could change, but I'm working at those. But I understand that life is going to constantly do this. So when shit starts hitting me in the face and my face gets shoved in the dirt and you get kicked down and you get beat down, I'm constantly saying to myself, this is going to pass eventually. This doesn't last forever. The only thing that will change is how I decide to go about it today. Mm-hmm. I can either wake up and go, wow, today's another lousy day. I'm just going to sit back and, and be lazy and be pissed off about it. Or I can say, this is going to happen regardless. I choose how I face it. And it's the same thing. Like we're always reaching for that great moment, that next big thing that will happen eventually, but that feeling is going to be fleeting and it's going to go away. So the constant chasing of the good moments and the highs, it's great to have a purpose and a goal to to push towards that, but that can't be the only thing you live for. And so, like I said, when I got fired from ring of honor, it was like, okay, you started achieving all these things, but at the end of the day, it's fleeting. So what do you really have? And I had my wife and I had my kids and I realized this is life. This right here, the everyday, the mundane, the day-to-day, find the joy in this 
because that is what you're going to be living with most of the time. I believe that the trick to finding this kind of peace and this kind of happiness is knowing that when you're at your lowest point, you will get through it. So try to learn something from it. And when you're at your highest point, appreciate it because it's going to, it's not going to last forever. And it's just finding that balance of somewhere in between. But it's a constant struggle. You're always like, yay, it's up here. It's back here. And you're like, all right, how do I find that middle ground? Okay, here I am. And then you just do it again and do it again and do it again. Yeah. I like to call that um, dynamic equilibrium. Yeah. Because balance is, a, balance is a challenging word, right? I don't know if you yes. really have balance in your life, right? Because you're traveling like 100% of the time and trying to make time for your kids, trying to make time for your wife. So you're giving 100% of your energy to the thing you're doing at the moment. So there's no really balance. Right. It's kind of like trying to live with a little bit of har harmonious obsessions and then trying to sure. have this like, dynamic equilibrium and i think that's that's how i at least have seen it i think that's how you explained it really well um and also to another point that you touched on early on that i kind of cut you off in the middle because i got very excited oh, about it but was fine was meditation meditation man is just like it's just hitting it's hitting the focus gym is what it is it's hitting the focus gym and to be able to meditate and a lot of people see meditation right as this like just like sitting down quietly and being with your thoughts. And that's exactly what it is, but they don't see the practical application to their life. And that's sure. where I think the, the hesitation to start uh, happens. So if you, if you can think about this for a moment, if you're able to meditate for one minute, three minute, five minute, 10 minute, 11 minutes, doesn't matter. What you're doing is you're gaining emotional control, which allows you to have higher willpower in the situations that become stressful for you. And so when that stimulus hits you, the your boss yells at you, you get a bad grade in school, someone cuts you off in traffic, that's the stimulus. Now you've meditated enough where you have this sort of pause in your life, right? That gap where we can live in, and then your response is much better. It doesn't mean you're pumped about all those things. Those are not good things happening, sure. but you're able to be like, okay, you know, thank you. Or thank you, like the stoic gods would say, thank you for this moment, no matter what the moment is but you're able to have that gap. So your response is the best it can be, the safest, the most adequate, the best response you can have. And that's really the practical application of meditation for those who maybe are on the fence about it. I push it a lot on this podcast. I'm glad you brought it up in the first 10 minutes. <laughs> so that's awesome. I, it's, I, I'm telling you, it, it was that concept of the fact that, um, and I think, I, I think it was, I heard someone talking, Fuck him. I'm going to screw the guy's name up, so I'm not going to say it. But he talks about how in between the stimulus and the response, there is the space. Mm -hmm. And that space is what dictates how you go forward with everything. Exactly. And that thought blew my mind. And I didn't really grasp it until I was able to have the self-discipline to just be like, no, you're going to sit here in your thoughts and let them pass by. And it gives you that willpower to say, okay, this just happened. Now freeze, put a pin in it and let's circle back around because most of the time when you put a pin in it and then you circle back around to it, you're able to not only react in a way that you probably want to react, but you're also able to break it down and figure out why did you have that initial response? What is bothering you? Was it other things that was on your mind and this just set you off? Or is this a, a deeper issue? And I found that when I'm able to just take a moment and put a pin in that moment and then circle back to it through journaling or whatever, write down what I was feeling, what happened, what, what took place at the moment, I'm then able to dissect it. 
And I'm then able to say, okay, this was what was going on. This is how I was going to react. And then I didn't react, but why was I going to react that way? And then you break that down and it really just helps you understand who you are better. Yeah, I, I think the, the idea of coupling meditation and journaling together is such a, it's just, it's, it's a life-changing exercise. And it, and it really, if you have 10 minutes in the day just to be by yourself for a little bit, like you can meditate out for five minutes and then whatever comes up, right? Because you're letting these passes, your, these thoughts kind of drift through kind of like a snow globe. You shake it up and you see all the snowflakes fall to the ground, right? That's kind of what your meditation is. And you're not really, you're not really hitting on anything. You're not really diving deep in any of those thoughts while you're meditating. And then you take the next five minutes, just like you said, to journal it out. Now I can dissect. Now I can get to the root. Now I can find out what I need, what I don't need, what I'm inadequate at, what maybe I need less of, all of these things. And it's taken 10 minutes and now you've elevated your day and possibly your life and maybe your relationships. And I think that's worth 10 minutes a day. Oh, absolutely. And I, like I said, you it, it has changed my life since... The start of this year, I have taken the first hour of the day mm. to, I don't look at my phone, I meditate for a half hour, and then I journal for the other half hour, and then my kids usually wake up. It's my favorite time of day. I am like, it brings me so at peace, and I was never a morning person, and so now I'm a morning person. It's, it's the best part of the day, and it's changed my life completely. Yeah. I mean, I 100% I agree. Um <clears throat> Before I, I have a, I want to talk about a lot of stuff and I'm going to mention oh, yeah. a few, a few tweets that um, you put out as well. And kind of your, your mantra of process over outcome. I love that. And we're going to dive deep into that in a second, but I want to kind of touch on, cause you put out a tweet a couple, uh, maybe it was a week ago about being on the road and missing something of your kid, like going to school. And that, that like kind of, um, it resonated with me. I don't have any kids, but it made me think sure. about just like being a professional wrestler and what, things people don't understand about the career and the craft and there's no real question here i'm just trying to get some of your thoughts on on that on like on being a pro wrestler being on the road whether it be with a company or as an independent guy trying to raise a family missing things understanding what shows maybe you should miss or shouldn't miss based on what your kids like all of that stuff is very complicated and i think the casual fan and even the person who's not a wrestling fan which we have a ton on this podcast don't really understand. So could you, could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, no, I, I, I love that question because I find the life of a pro wrestler so fascinating. Like I don't, I don't try to glamorize it. I don't try to talk like they did back in the day of like, this is what we did 31 days on the road. <laughs> like I, whatever. I don't want to glamorize that because I think there's far more. Um, I think there's far more. I think we should glamorize the fact that we're good parents and we're home for our kids. And this is a, an ends to a mean we're trying to provide. And this is the career we chose. And it's not it's not so much a badge of honor as it is. We will do anything for our kids. And that's why we do what we do. But, man, I like to tell people when they ask me what the life of a pro wrestler is, I just tell them we get paid to travel. We're professional travelers because the wrestling is the easy part. That's the fun part. That's when you get to go out, put your creativity to use, have these fun matches, work with your friends, either get in front of a crazy crowd or whatever. That's, that's the fun part. The tiring part, the part that is the most difficult is the airports, the rental cars, the early mornings, the late nights, the lousy food, the, the, all of it. It's, it's, it's all of it combined. And to me, that's why you get paid to be a pro wrestler. So you can do that. But truthfully, for me, 
I have been the busiest I've ever been in the last two years, which is crazy to me considering all the companies I've worked for. But because I've been able to work for Impact, work for NWA, and run the indies at the same time, I've just been go, go, go. So I've actually probably missed more in the last two years when it comes to my kids than I ever did at WWE. And so that part, that part never gets easy. That part absolutely sucks. And I wish I could be like, oh, you get used to it. But my daughter's four. She's going to be five in April. My son's two and a half. I always said to myself, oh, the, easy, the, the older they, they get, the easier it'll, it'll become because they'll understand. The older they get, the more more difficult it is because they now know that I'm leaving and they now don't want me to go. And we have a bond and we have my daughter talks my ear off. My son is starting to talk. We have these bonds. And so they now know when I'm packing my suitcase or mom's packing her suitcase that we're about to go on the road. And that's tough for them. That's hard. This past week, I missed my daughter's first day of preschool. The couple months before that, I missed her first dance recital. It never gets old. It never gets, um, it, you never get used to it. And you know, I'm not afraid to admit that I was literally driving in my car when I made the connection that I was missing her first day of preschool. Me and Maria were going over everything. Boom. She was like, yeah, and you're going to be on the road this day. And I lost it. I broke down. It was like, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I already missed the dance recital. Now I'm missing this. Like, this isn't worth it to me. But those are the moments where you have to take a step back and, and try to collect yourself. Give that moment and be like, don't make a rash decision, understand what's happening. And then you just need to practice gratitude in that moment and be like, look, this is the job you chose. This is the life you chose. You knew the pitfalls when you were 15 and they said, this is what you're going to miss. This is what you're gonna deal with. This is how you're gonna have to deal with it. This is, you chose this and this has provided you with a wonderful life. So these are the sacrifices that you have to make. Now at a certain point, I think I'm gonna get tired of making the sacrifices. But right now I'm in a point where I have to provide for my family. My, my wife has to provide for my family. And not only that, I think one of the more difficult things that we go through that a lot of people don't is we're a couple that travels together. So a lot of the times when a, a male wrestler goes on the road, his wife's at home. When the, when the woman wrestler goes on the road, his, his husband's at home or, or, or vice versa or whatever the relationship is, someone is at home. A lot of times with me and Maria, we travel together. So we're not home. So that means both parents are gone. So that means grandma's coming over and watching the kids. And, you know, which is great. And that's why we live close. But that's another thing that we have to deal with. So I love my job. I love my profession. But these are the things that really, really suck about it. But you really got to put it into perspective, man. And at the end of the day, I'm working. I've been able to work on national television for the last 11 years. I can provide for my kids. I met my wife through wrestling. There's so many positives that have come out of this job that to just try to drown them out in the moment with the negatives that are happening i try not to do that i try to just tell myself okay you're gonna get over this and then you'll be fine and then i try to make it make up for it when i come home the best i can yeah <clears throat> thanks for sharing that no absolutely man it's interesting to think about it because <clears throat> you hear like people all the time and this could be related to any kind of entertainment or sport profession I want to be like, insert really famous person's name, right? The best at what they do. And, and then you try to, you break that down a little bit. Are you willing to do everything that they do to get to where they're at? Are you willing 
to do everything that they're doing to get where they're at, right? Because you have to take, you can't just have, okay, I want to be LeBron James, but I just want to be the basketball player who makes this. And I don't, you have to take it all. You want to be like Tiger Woods? Okay, well, you have to have the same dad who started playing golf with you at two, two years old. You want to be a professional wrestler? Well, you can't just have the good parts of being a professional wrestler. If you want to be the next Mike Bennett or you want to be wherever you want to be, whatever your career goals are, you have to take everything that comes with it. And part of it is sometimes missing things that you would not want to miss, but kind of need to, to be able to give the life to your family uh, that you want. And so I think that's, that's really important to understand when you're trying to put yourself in someone else's shoes and thinking that you want to do what they do, or you could easily do what they do. It's, it's really not that easy to do, to excel at a high level in anything. And everyone has the capability to do it. But are you willing to have all of the sacrifices that go along with it, not just the stuff that you see glamorized on TV and how cool it might be? Yeah, I, and I, I think I think we see that and we we make a snap judgment. You know, we don't see everything that leads up to that moment. Mm-hmm. We see them at their highest, but we never see people at their lowest. My wife always says something in the sense that, like, you're always you're always failing at something, whether you want to or not. You're always, cause you only have so much attention you can give to so many things. So if you're in a moment right now where you're so incredibly laser focused on your career, you're going to be slacking off at home. That's just how it works. Like, I wish you could be like, oh, you could have ample amount of energy to give to everything, but she just can't. And that's like, we, it goes into play what we were talking about before. You never can truly find balance. You just hope to just try to put the scales at a certain point. Like sometimes it's going to go here. And then when it gets too much here, you're like, all right, I got to start. I got to start lessening this load. And you know what I mean? Like at a certain point, you just have to tip the scales back and forth so you can find some semblance of order. You know, life is chaos and order. And you just try to find somewhere right down the middle. Right. And I think another important nugget to take away of what you just said about your, your work and your life and your job and your profession and your family is that intrinsically you love what you do right and that makes it just a little bit easier right if i'm showing up to a job that i don't like and i have to travel a lot for it leaving my kids and and the people i love the most at home it it it, it's gonna eat you up and it's just you know it's not worth it take something else do something else but intrinsically if we feel this sense of passion and fulfillment from what we do which obviously you do and you share that with the world then it's not i don't i don't want to say easier i don't like that word but um i don't have another a better word for it so i'm just going to use that it's a little bit easier again to to, absolutely to to leave your family a little bit so i think that's also important to be intrinsically motivated by the thing that you want to be your job or maybe your hobby or whatever whatever that is for you yeah and and it's also I'm glad you said that because I do, I do love what I do. And I truly found what I think is my purpose in life. I always thought just wrestling was my purpose in life, but now I feel like this, this new venture that I'm on, whether it's wrestling and motivational speaking or whatever it is, just reaching out and helping others, I feel like has become my purpose. And it's incredibly important to me to teach my kids and to show my kids that you need to have a purpose in life and that you should chase it and go after it with everything you have. And sometimes, even though you love your family, you love your kids, you have to put certain things on the back burner to chase your purpose. 
but you'll still, oh, there's a reason you're chasing your purpose. And it is always for the benefit of the people that you love and the people around you. Um, and I think that's incredibly important for me to show my daughter and to show my son that yes, it sucks that daddy leaves, but I'm hoping that when you get to a certain age, you're going to look and understand why daddy was always leaving. And I hope you're going to be motivated and inspired by that and say, okay, this is what it takes. There are going to be pitfalls. There's going to be sacrifices. But as long as you're kind, you work hard and you have your head on your shoulders and do it all for the right reasons, then at the end of the day, I think it is worth it. 100%. Speaking of speaking, of speaking <laughs> um, how, did you, how did you know that that's something that you wanted to add to kind of your, your plate of, of speaking, talking to people? Because, uh, you know, clearly as professional wrestlers, we're, we're sharing stuff with the world. Right. Uh, whether that be on national television or at an independent show. And then you're, you're posting videos, you're tweeting a bunch of stuff that are like me or probably personal reminders to yourself, but you're sharing them with the world, which I think is very important to note about Twitter. Um, that usually the best tweets and the best people who tweet are tweeting things that they're thinking about that they need a reminder to themselves. And then other people will need the same reminder and now the whole world can grow together. And so then all of that culminated in what you, you wanted to do some speaking engagements or did someone reach out to you or how did that go? You know, it's funny. I always like to tell people, I look at my, my tweets and my Twitter as like the notes section in my phone. Mm -hmm. I just give it to the world. Because yeah. nine times, I'll say at some point in my life, if I ever show people what my notes section looks like, it probably is identical <laughs> to what my tweets are. Because it usually goes in there so I can get my thought right away, right when I said it, and then go, yeah, I think that makes sense. Okay, cool. Let's put that out there <laughs> yeah. uh, before I look like too much of a buffoon. Um, but man, honestly, it all kind of happened organically. Like, I got clean. I got sober. I was at WWE. I wasn't happy at WWE. But I didn't want to channel my anger I didn't want to, I didn't want to come off angry. I didn't want to come off bitter. I, I wasn't, I was in such a good place mentally because of my sobriety that I was just like, you're making all these moves internally. Your personal life is really kicking ass right now. Like you're getting sober. You're, you, you have a daughter, like everything in my personal life was great. But my, my, my professional life I felt was, was really bad. Like mm -hmm. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't like going to work. Um, I used to dread going on the road. Cause like you said, when you enjoy what you're doing, it doesn't hurt as much when you leave home, leaving for WWE at that time hurt, man. Like it was, I was angry. I didn't want to leave. I had a newborn daughter. I, I knew I'd go to TV. I wasn't going to do anything. So I was mad. I was like, what am I doing? Like I'm wasting precious time with this beautiful little girl to go and eat catering, which is literally what I was doing. <laughs> and it, just, it didn't make sense to me. And so I was like, you have to change this. You have to channel this energy somewhere else. And uh, like, there's a lot of people that when I got sober, I started following on social media to try to help my brain. Instead of following toxic people, I started following motivational speakers. I started following like Eric Thomas and Gary V mm -hmm. um, and Lewis Howes. And um, I'm trying to think of, I have a list of people, uh, Mel Robbins, there's a ton of people that I would just now find little pieces of information that they put out and I get motivated by them. And the one person that I fell on right away was Gary V. I loved his in-your-face style. I love how he just cusses. This is who I am. I was like, I'm a pro wrestler. I say the F word all the time. This is me. I get it. And his whole thing was just like, just put out content that you're proud of. Put out content of your story. Put out content of documenting your life. And I kept going, well, this might be a positive way to put my message out. Like, if I can show 
show people what I'm going through. But more importantly, like it wasn't like I was looking back and telling people my story. I wanted to go through it together with people and be like, I'm getting clean and sober in the moment. I'm unhappy at work, just like you're probably unhappy at work. How am I keeping myself up? How am I staying motivated? How am I stay keeping myself sober? And I thought to myself, you have this platform. If you document it, you can get it out to millions of people. Use your platform for something good. And all those things kind of interweaving at the same time just really motivated me. And it started out as like, let me see how this does. Let me put this out there. This is what I feel like talking about. And I think the very first video I put out, I, I, I might be wrong, but I think it was this. I put out a video about um, being content with where you are in life, but still wanting more. Because I got sick and tired of hearing people say like, oh, well, Mike is just content collecting a paycheck and not working. And he just seems happy online and this and that. And I thought to myself, no, you can be happy and content in the life that you have at the moment and still understand that you have a bigger purpose and you still want to go and pursue more. And that was the first video. And I just remember putting it out. And some of the first comments I got was, I really needed to hear this. And when I, when I read that, I was like, well, if someone needs to hear this, even if it's just one person, you have an obligation to continue to do this. You know, I'm a big believer in with great responsibility or with great power comes great responsibility. If you have the power to do something, you need to wield it responsibly. And I had the power as a WWE superstar or a bigger name in pro wrestling to wield my power responsibly and to tell people wrestling's toxic, Twitter's toxic. There's a lot of toxic places, but I'm going to be this shining light that says, yes, but there is beauty. There is a silver lining. There is positivity. And not only that, as a guy who's getting bombarded with the negativity and the toxicity of wrestling and Twitter, let me show you that you can avoid that and still come out and be a positive voice in the community. Amazing. Amazing. <clears throat> so you took a situation that was not ideal for you and you made it the best possible situation it could be. And More that's, or less. yeah, that's, yeah. And it turned into becoming something that you really enjoy doing in your life, which is talking about these kinds of things that in hopes will resonate with people so they can also change their life for the better. Yeah, man. I like, I don't bullshit people. Like when I do seminars and anyone that's done my seminars will tell you this, I tell people right out of the gate, if you don't get anything out of this seminar, I will give you your money back because I'm genuinely not in it for the money. I think I have a purpose and what makes me fulfilled is when I see that light bulb go off in someone's head, whether it's the, oh, this makes sense wrestling wise or this makes sense life wise. When I can see that light bulb go off in their head just by words of wisdom that I've given them through years of experience, that makes it all worth it. Like that is what I think you're supposed to do as a human being. Mm -hmm. We're put on this earth to help each other out when we have the ability to help each other out. And I think anything less than that is doing a disservice as a human. I, I, and I, I'm not saying everyone has to go out and, and go to a soup kitchen or give money. When you have the ability to do something, I think it is your obligation to do it. Well, even, even in the smallest regard of small with very big quotation marks, cause they're all, all moments are important, but if you're at the grocery store and someone walks by and they have a lot of bags or they're holding a baby and they can't seem to get the door and you open the door for them and you smile at them with kind eyes, that is a huge thing for someone. And the downstream effects of that 
are unknown to the person who did that thing. It's like love 2.0. There's so much positivity resonance coming off of that, right? And it's the same thing as what you and I are trying to do. We're just being public about it in a different way. But just treating the people you see and don't know their names in everyday life with some sort of positive regard, unconditional positive regard, some kindness, some helping hand in service of others, those really are what everyone can do all the time. And then it also happens that we'll get that when we need it the most. Like I'm having a shit day, something just is happening. I'm gonna go to the grocery store, maybe get a tub of ice cream or whatever makes me happy. You know, and then someone just smiles at me or they're like, hey, they see me looking at the ice cream and like, hey, I tried that Rocky Road the other day and it was delicious. I'm like, oh, cool. I've been thinking about getting that too. And then you yeah. go home and you maybe eat the ice cream and you're thinking about how nice that person was and your day just kind of gets a little bit better. And yeah. that's really what you're talking about on a scale that everyone can do. And I think that's really important. And also another point when you're when you're doing something that you love to do and you're not doing it for the money it so happens that you actually start making money from it and the abundance just kind of rolls in like when i started doing this podcast like two three years ago right i'm on this is episode 118 i was like that's awesome i mean i'm just trying to talk to people sure that's (laughs) that's what it is you know my friends are cool i happen to do a cool job that's when i was actively pro wrestling now i talk to all different sorts of people and now the podcast is actually you know, pretty cool. People seem to like it, right? We're making a little bit of money and it's like, wow. So when you try to just put stuff out in the world, just because you want to, you know, that kind of abundance mindset kind of comes back to you. But when you're, when you're solely focused on the money of the thing, I don't know, it seems to kind of cloud the way you think, feel and move. And it, and it doesn't come off as let's say authentic, maybe I think. And that's, I know I'm talking a lot here, but that's also no, I love it. I love that's it. also I, I like another thing online is that people kind of hesitate towards the people who are putting out kind stuff. Sure. Because we're so used to that not being the case. Yeah. That like when you or Ali, who's another great example oh, of, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to get him on this pod and we're going to have a beautiful conversation as yeah, well. You should. And I would like, love to see that one. Yeah. And and me yeah. and whoever does this kind of stuff, people kind of seem to hesitate. Like it's that can't be that can't be sure. Like, why yeah. are they why are they saying that? Um to I, I guess don't, you know, and then it's it kind of reinforces the fact that we need more of it, but yeah. also like we're doing it authentically. And that's like if you if you are doing that authentically, it eventually it comes across on the things that you say and post and tweet. It's hard on Twitter because it's just words, right? But I feel like there's some sort of energy to it. And like, you know, the person reading it who really reads it with the intent of getting something out of it and says, like they said to you, I needed this. It's like, "Mm -hmm, so did I, (laughs) that's why, that's exactly why I wrote it. And I think all of that goes into play on, on doing some of this stuff on, on speaking on talking to people and doing seminars and creating relationships and all of that stuff is just wildly important. And And I think we can all play a part in being like an active participant in our own lives for that and in other people's lives as well. Yeah, no. And the thing is, man, I agree with you wholeheartedly in the sense that you do get pushback and you do get pushback in the sense of people calling it toxic positivity, or that's easy for you to say, or you haven't had this, this, and this. And a lot of the times I want to look at people and go, no, it's not easy for me to say. I work on things every single day, but I just prioritize what's important. 
I figured out in my life what I think is most important. And you need to do that for your life. Prioritize the things that are important that you think are going to genuinely make you the most happy. If you think money is genuinely going to make you the most happy, then by all means, go chase it, go get it, do everything you want with it. I have a feeling that the more you get, the more you'll understand that money, just like everything else, every big moment, every big success is fleeting. So you do need to find the joy in the little things. But I get that pushback all the time of like, oh, third world problem or first world problems or, or this and that. And I'm like, no, it's not. These are issues that I talk about in my head that I'm going over that I'm trying to figure out. And it's not always easy for me to say, but I agree with you 100% when you said, I think when you're sincere about it and you come from a good place, there's a vibe and there's an energy. And I don't know if it's just your mindset of being like, this is what I'm dealing with. And you hit that point where you don't care what people think about you. You just know in your heart what you're doing is what you're supposed to be doing. When you give out that vibe, I think other people feel it, whether it's on Twitter or not. I think there's a vibe that when you're fully confident in what you're trying to produce, people feel that energy. And so um, it might be on Twitter, it might be on Instagram, it might be face to face, but if you're true and sincere, that energy exists there. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it does, 100%. And so <clears throat> that leads me to where it led you, I think, kind of developing this motto for your life that is kind of everywhere, right? Process over outcome. And I coach a 14-year-old a baseball team. I played baseball for a really long time. And I love baseball. And yeah. we talk about that a lot in sport, right? Because baseball is all about failure, right? Sure. You're going to fail seven out of 10 times. So you have to be so locked in to your process. That's got to be primary. The outcome is whatever. And so I love it. And so yeah. can you just explain it? Where, like why it means so much to you uh, and all that? Yeah, I mean, again, it, it goes into the play of I started out as a pro wrestler at 16, 15, 16, around that time. And wow, I was that's really old. young. Yeah, I'm 37, 21 year veteran. Like it, it blows my mind. Yeah, it's insane. I, and I still think I have like 10, 15 years left to give, which is cool. Um, yeah, probably because you just got in the best shape of your life a couple of years ago. I so feel the best. It's insane, dude. Like when you feel great up here, everything else just starts to to flow with you, which is freaking awesome. Yeah. Uh, but um, no, I had tunnel vision, man. From the time I was 16 years old, it was, I had the blinders on and I wanted to be a WWE wrestler. And it, it was just get to WWE, get to WWE, get to WWE. Once you achieve this, once you get to WWE, all your problems will be fixed. Everything mm. will be perfect. This is everything you ever wanted. And what I realized was, one, and my whole process over outcome didn't really get uh, didn't really start sticking with me until I was at WWE. And I was like, okay, here I am. I achieved this. And I kept thinking to myself, what's next? What is the next big thing? What is the next big thing? And then you achieve that next big thing. And then you say to yourself, great, I did it. This is awesome. What is the next big thing? What is the next big thing? And like I said, those moments are fleeting. So you're constantly chasing things that give you instant excitement, enjoyment, pleasure, whatever. And then they go away. And then I realized that what you do day to day, the process of trying to achieve your goal, the process of trying to get to the next place in your life, that is what you're going to be doing 99.9% .9 of the time. So what you need to do is love that so much. Mm. Love the daily grind of it. Love pro wrestling so much. Love working out. Love motivational speaking. Love listening to podcasts. Love reading books. Love journaling. Love meditating. 
And if you can find the love in that, the stuff that you're going to be doing day to day, every single day, that is going to make you far more successful than just focusing on that one, one, one giant goal, that one big thing. Because like I said, it's incredibly important to have that main goal because you need a path. You need a purpose. You need a way to go. You need a direction. You can't just be like, all right, I'm just going to enjoy the process. Well, what, what are you trying to achieve? Mm -hmm. But if you're, if, if you're constantly trying to get to be a world champion, okay, what does it take to become a world champion? Well, it takes this, 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 and this fall in love with those steps because when you fall in love with those steps, yes, when you finally become a world champion, it'll be like, yay, this is awesome. And you'll, you'll feel great. And you'll appreciate the moment that you're in it. But when that moment starts to go away, you won't fall off the cliff so much because you'll just pick right back up in that process that you've always been doing because that's your happiness. That's mm -hmm. your, that's, that's where you enjoy it. And it's like you said with baseball, if you swing the bat, if you hit the ball three out of 10 times, that's considered a success. So you have to understand that it's going to take all of those failures to reach that level of success. And if you can get your mind to understand that failure is part of the process, disappointment's part of the process, you're not going to be so quick to quit or be so quick to get in your head and be like, oh God, it's, I, I've struck out five times. In your head, you're going, all right, I still got five more at bats, you know, like whatever to convince yourself that you still have an opportunity to do this. And I think it's just, understanding that this long drawn out journey that is where you have to almost hone in that's where you need to focus because these big moments they're great but they're few and far between and you're going to fail so more so many more times that you're going to succeed that you have to almost fall in love with this process of failure learning growth failure learning growth failure learning growth i have fallen in love with it because i think it kicks ass like i love learning shit now like, I'm just like, oh, I, I didn't understand that. Cool. Now I can understand it. Oh, I don't understand that. Cool. Now I can understand it. Instead of being like, oh, I don't understand it. I don't want to tell anyone because they'll think less of me. Now I'm just like, oh, I have a way to learn something new. Hell yeah. Okay. I have, I have a way to learn something new. Hell yeah. I look at it as like a superpower. Every new thing you learn just gets hit with you and you just start building up until you're this incredible superhero. But that takes time and you, you have to build that over time and be comfortable with it over time. Yes, absolutely. So it's like, it's thinking about it like you have this, let's say this massive transformative purpose, right? Or this wildly important goal. And you're kind of basically breaking it down all the way into what you can do daily. And that's your process. Yeah. And then you're falling in love with those daily actions. Yep. And then you're getting closer to this North Star. Yep. You're getting closer to this North Star, but you're never really exonerated from the work because there's always something more to achieve or to be or to become. I think that's a better way of putting it more to become. And so you're just continuing to do these daily actions and you improve on this and you, you look at what needs work and you just keep moving through those obstacles. And it's like to, to truly embark on the hero's journey, the hero's journey can be whatever, whatever your journey is. You basically have to be willing to fall down over and over and over again and face the dragon, face the dragon, face the dragon, face the dragon, face the dragon. That's the hero's journey. And it's yeah. a beautiful journey. And that's, and that's what makes falling in love with the process very important. But it's also like, I think you alluded to is finding what works for you. And you have to try a lot of different stuff. You have to give it a real go. 
Like you have to really try meditation or journaling or going for a walk or what movement exercise you'd like to do that works best for your lifestyle um, or what books you want to read or you like audible, you like listening to things. You have to you have to figure out what is your process. And that means kind of throwing stuff against the wall, sticking to it for a little bit and being like, mm, OK, I'm going to mark that off. This is good. This is not good. Maybe I'll circle back to this when I've reached this sort of thing. And it's all of that. And that's and that's really fun for me in part of the process, at least, you know, especially when it comes to this podcast, trying to get better, right? Trying to get better yeah. at this. How can I listen to Tim Ferriss and Rich Roll and like, what do they do that makes their podcast like so unique? Why their questions seem to be so much, not so much better, but just a little bit more intuitive and they, and they get deeper into the nooks and crannies. Okay, how can I? Okay, I can start implementing that. And, okay. And then you just, and then it, I don't know. And the same thing as a pro wrestler, but and that's, and that's really cool, but it's uniquely as a pro wrestler, it's very easy to hide your weaknesses as a pro wrestler because yes. you don't have to do anything that you're not good at. If I cannot yeah. take an arm drag, sorry, dude, I don't like, I just can't take it. I know you throw a really good arm drag, but I just, the I'm flip bump and the it. grab yeah. and the over is like, no, yeah. no, no, not for yeah. me. Absolutely. So I think yeah. that's, that's a cool part. Yeah, man. And I, I agree. I, and I, I like the way you worded it too, in the sense that like, it's understanding that this is what it's going to take to get to here, but then also having the mindset to say, once I get here, it's not all going to be complete. Like all my problems aren't going to go away. My life's going to be fulfilled. It's knowing that once I get here, this will go away. This feeling will go away. And what am I going to fall back into? Am I going to fall back into nothing or am I going to just fall back into my process because your process will always guide you in the direction that you want to go. And so if you have that foundation, that routine, that process, that, that solid base underneath you, no matter how much your success, no matter how big that goal that you reach finally is, you can always fall back into the process to get to that next goal, which is usually a little bit bigger than the last one. Yeah. Yeah. You got, you're just like, you're unshakable, right? You're anti-fragile. You're just like, you got it. And uh, that's awesome. It's just I, what you do. And like, it's yeah. just, it's just who you are at that point. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, I think at the end of the day, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. You just become it. Like I say to people, like, don't, don't work hard because you want people to pat you on the back or give you a standing ovation, work hard because you're just a hard worker. Because at the end of the day, you identify as someone that works their ass off, be disciplined because at the end of the day, you identify as someone who is disciplined. It's mm -hmm. about you and how you perceive yourself. Everything else is great. It's like you said, if you follow your purpose and you follow abundance, it eventually comes to you. But the minute you start chasing it, it starts getting a little iffy and weary. If you're chasing hard work or you're chasing discipline, it's not gonna be who you are. Just do it because when you lay your head down on your pillow, you went, yes, motherfucker, I worked hard that day. Yes, I was disciplined, I'm proud of myself. You do it for you because when shit hits the fan or you hit a high point and you fall back, you fall back onto who you are at the end of the day. Exactly. And this, I mean, a perfect segue into the tweet that I wanted to read that you put out uh, a few days ago. So it says, hold your head high today. No matter how many mistakes you have made, you always have the ability to choose a new direction, but it first starts with treating yourself with respect. I thought that was beautiful. And I pulled that up, didn't know we were going to get to this point, and it fit perfectly in this conversation. Look how that works, a little divine intervention. So I love, it. <laughs> I love that tweet, right? It just starts really with treating yourself with some respect. 
Yeah, man. And it's, we have this common misconception that we constantly think all these outside factors are going to bring us joy, excitement, uh, pleasure. We think everything else, we think everything outside of our control is what's going to make us happy. But at the end of the day, what we realize is that the way we treat ourselves, the way we view ourselves, our belief in ourselves, that's what truly makes us happy. Like you can wake up and have a lousy day, pick your head up. But if you don't treat yourself with respect, if you don't believe in yourself, if you don't, um, if you don't love yourself, I know that sounds so cliche, but it's so incredibly freaking important to just love yourself. If you don't love yourself, nothing that happens during that day is going to be good enough. I don't care how high you hold your head up. If you don't love yourself and, it, and if you can't look in the mirror and have some matter of respect for yourself, no matter how high you hold your head, no matter how much money you get, no matter how many friends you have, you're never going to be happy. But true happiness, true respect, it starts with yourself. It starts with saying to yourself, I am a flawed human, but so aren't we all, man. We're all freaking screwed up. We're all messed up. We're all just trying to survive with what we got and understanding that, yes, I'm going to make mistakes. Yes, I'm not going to be perfect because perfection doesn't exist. But I am, what I am going to do is try to be a little bit better than I was the day before and then a little bit better. And if I wasn't, then tomorrow I'm going to be a little bit better than I was. And it's just not letting you constantly beat yourself up over minute, stupid things that at the end of the day don't really matter. They don't matter. And they seem like they matter because the story we tell ourselves in our head, it, it matters more than anything else in the world. But the truth is, when you take a step back and you realize that we're all just kind of screwed up trying to survive, you understand that these little tiny things, they, they don't matter because we're all going through them and we're all just trying to survive. And that's why I tell people, once you understand that, once you understand we're all screwed up, you have so much more self-respect for yourself because you go, okay, I am doing the best I can. I am doing what I what everything that I know that I can do. And you just, you don't let it spiral. And we always let this shit spiral until it gets out of control. There's so much common humanity in the struggle. Yes. And that's why, you know, each is individual path and individual journey with individual experiences, but we're all interconnected and together and unified on kind of the same really hard, but such a beautiful journey of life. And so it all, it all culminates in us being one and also best being individuals and having kind of shared experiences, but also unique experiences. The whole dichotomy of that is, is very interesting. But, I, and I also think there's a level of when you realize that we all are on this same journey of struggle, like whether people struggle with their bills or struggle with relationships or addiction or depression or anything that they're going through. Once you realize that it is a collective struggle, you had, you, you almost, you're almost forced to have more self-respect for yourself because you're not worried about what other people think of you because you now understand, Oh, they're going through their own shit too. They don't have time to worry about what I'm going through. And kind of just subconsciously you start respecting yourself because you realize we're all just fucked up people. And it's like, just try to be the best version of you that you can be. And it brings such a, a powerful love for yourself when you get that mentality. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to make a 
a hard transition here. I love it. Let's do it. <laughs> and well, not that hard, I guess, but a transition in itself to asking you kind of a, a specific pro wrestling question. Please. So you've worked for every major company there there is, right? WWE, Ring of Honor, NWA, Impact, and you do the indies. What is different about wrestling on the indies than working with those types of companies? Uh, man, so I think it's just more so uh, the creativity. You know, um, there's a lot of creative freedom over at Impact. There's a lot of creative freedom at NWA. But it's still, at the end of the day, the buck stops with somebody. The buck stops with Scott Demore. The buck stops with Billy Corgan. Um, buck stops with Delirious when I was at Ring of Honor. The buck stopped with Vince McMahon when I was at WWE. On the indies, it's just like, paint your canvas, man. Mm. It's out there. Tell the story you want to tell. Do what you want to do. Try this new thing. Have fun with this. To me, it's the most expressive way I can be a pro wrestler. And I just love it. It's like... How can I, what can I paint today? What does my mind feel like doing today? And you don't really have to have a rhyme or reason. It's like when a comedian goes to a local co comedy club to try out new material. Will this work? Will this not work? Am I going to bomb? Am I not going to bomb? <laughs> um, and it's just constantly throwing more shit into the fire and seeing what works for you. And I just, I love that feeling of it. Because like when you're at TV, you're in a storyline. There's a main point. There's something you're trying to get to. Um, there's a direction, whether just for your group or your person or the company as a whole. When you're on the indies and um, a lot of times when you're a guy like me who's not just like in one area of indies, you're kind of hopping all around the country. You get to go and you get to just paint your own canvas. And what's really cool for me, what I've really enjoyed right now, is a lot of times I go to these indies and they put me with their their guy that they think is the next one to you know uh go to the go to the national level mm -hmm. and so i go to these indies feeling like i have an obligation like i'm like, like i can't phone it in because whoever i'm wrestling is looking at this match as their big match right. to start getting noticed and get more exposure so i think i start putting more pressure on myself mm. for the guy that i'm wrestling because i'm a firm but i'm not going to phone that in this is his moment this is the thing he's talking to his parents about. This is the thing he's talking to his his brother, his sister, his friends about. I get to wrestle Mike Bennett, Mike Kanellis from the kingdom, from whatever. Like, this is his moment. So I I get, like, there's a sense of pride, and I get goosebumps even thinking about it because I take so much pride in that. And that's what's really fun for me. When I go to the Impact or I go to NWA, we're all established there at that point. You know, we've all done our thing. So you don't get that feeling or that moment. But when you go on the indies, man, to be able to have a match with someone that was like, that was the best match of my career, or that was the match I needed, or to just feel that high after a match of knowing that they did what they wanted to do. That's the best feeling. I absolutely love doing the Indies right now for that reason. It's one of the most purest forms of free play. Yes. It's like everyone should be able to experience that level of, joy and free play from just moving your body in sync with someone else and creating this thing that people and it's like it's a magnificent experience if you've never been yeah. to an independent professional wrestling show and you're watching or listening to this podcast right now i urge you to check out your local scene immediately i'm i'm 100 sure there's a guy or girl or person there that will blow your fucking mind 100 <laughs> even if it's the 
the dirt worst indies, there's always one diamond in the rough that you'll be like, holy crap, that guy's awesome or that girl's awesome. Yes, 100%. And to that point, how cool is it to see where the indies have gone maybe five years ago? Like there's people on the independents right now who are legit making a full-time profession from being their own boss, from basically being an entrepreneur, which was awesome for me because it taught me a lot how to run my own businesses now that I do. But how cool is it to see that as a guy who's worked everywhere, you've been in the business 20 years, like things are, things are pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah, man. I, I think the coolest, so I started wrestling in 2001 and the coolest thing to me over the last 21 years that I've seen has been the, the build of the Indies. Cause when I started, the Indies were considered outlaw mud wrestling. Uh, there were 20 people in the crowd and that was considered a good night. You only worked for your local promotion. You very rarely ventured out. WWE wouldn't touch guys that were working at the Indies. It was just, it was not the same place. Now, like I made a comment, I think the other day on Twitter where um, I'm doing a pro wrestling revolver show for Sammy Callahan coming yeah. up in, um, in September. And he's in Iowa, which if you're from the States, you know, Iowa is kind of in the middle of nowhere in this country. He's in Iowa and there were fans tweeting at him from the UK saying, I think we might make a trip to this. And I'm thinking to myself, holy crap. Like if this was 10 years ago, this wouldn't even be a discussion. Like you wouldn't even know this place exists. Now you're purposely making a trip, an overseas trip to see an indie promotion, which don't get me wrong. The last show we did for him, there was, over a thousand people the card was stacked like it's a show you'd want to go see but the reach of it now is so incredible and i just i love seeing it man i love seeing guys like well i know he's not really an indie guy anymore but guys like dan Housen and effie they changed the game man mm-hmm. and i remember telling effie that and i was privileged enough to tell him like man you inspired me to go about how like i can literally build my brand and my career solely through the independence because of the reach it has now Mm -hmm. I can just use my social media to build my independent brand. And then the reach is unbelievable. So it's just, that has been the coolest thing for me in the last 21 years of wrestling is to see that climb. Like I remember it. I remember being in ring of honor the first time and really feeling like the Indies were starting to like being like, Oh wow, there's something special going on on here. But then, like I said, a lot of these guys like Effie, they just took that ball and, took it to the next level. And I think that's it's so cool, man. It's incredible. It's yeah. one of the things that one of the positive things that social media has done for yeah. us, for professional wrestling, for other people who are trying to be independent. I've seen now some comedians who are uh, creating their own specials and just putting them on their own platforms. Yeah. Right. That's, that's like really cool stuff. And we're able to express ourselves authentically and say the things and do the things we want to do and build our own brand and have our own agency. And all of that stuff is, is, uh, is really, really, really cool. And I've loved seeing it. I wrestled for six years. I don't, I don't wrestle anymore currently. And, and seeing the transition while I was just in it sure. was, was magnificent. And like you said, some of those guys and, and girls have, have changed the game and changed people's lives. And that's really special. Yeah, it's it's been really cool, man. And it's um, I'm interested to see where it goes next because these platforms are only getting bigger mm-hmm. and more stronger and having bigger reach. And you're getting to do even cooler things on, like they're making editing videos. It's like the tap tap and you've got a cool edit. Like it, it's just going to be really cool to see how this, this progresses. Absolutely. Okay, Mike, I have 
one question, one more question to ask you. Okay. But before that, uh, because I'd like to end on that question, tell people where they can follow you, um, where they best reach you, if they have any questions, comments, they want to follow more of your stuff. Where's, where's the best place? Yeah, so the best place is um, check me out on Twitter at Real Mike Bennett. Check me out on Instagram at the Real Michael Bennett, um, and then TikTok as well. Uh, Be real with Mike Bennett. I I put all my videos up on all those platforms. Uh, I have a Facebook fan page. Check out that. That's just Mike Bennett. Um, all my stuff goes up on all of those. So if you don't like one platform, try the other one. You'll see something. Um, check me out there. Check me out on Impact and on NWA. Um, and please, if you guys get the chance, check out my wife's promotion, WWA Women's Wrestling Army. She's really doing a lot of cool stuff with women's wrestling and women's empowerment. And um, yeah, I'm really proud of her. And I, I want people to see what she's doing because I think it's, it's, and it's, I don't think, I know it's really special. So check all that stuff out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, all that will be linked in the, in the email that we send out and in the show notes. So Hell yeah. thank you. So last question, very important question. If you, Mike Bennett, could put up a billboard where millions of people would see that billboard every single day. What would you put on that billboard? Uh, it would say this too shall pass. This Beautiful. too shall and whatever, however people want to take it. Because for me, it means two different things. It means when you're at your lowest, it's going to pass. So understand you're not going to be there forever. And when at your highest, understand you're not going to be riding high forever that's going to pass so just appreciate the moment that you're in amazing i'd love to throw that on a billboard me too, me too man i would love to see it on like my worst day that would help i'd be like, okay you're right it should yeah i i wanted to actually put up some billboards for my nonprofit in kind of the dallas area billboards are really expensive <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, i believe it that's why there's a lot of empty ones yeah so this question uh you know is a good one but we'll just put we'll just put the, the phrase on twitter instead where it's, yeah. where it's free <laughs> get my imaginary billboard up here so I don't yeah spend money but really thank you thank you man for for talking to me for the last hour i loved it i uh, can't believe it's been an hour that flew by yeah yeah we yeah. we could talk for probably more but i'm sure we'll i'll have you yeah. on again and we'll, we'll dive into some different stuff yeah. um but really thank you for joining me this was this was fantastic for me no, thank you, man. This was great. I can't wait to, for this to go up and we can share it all around. Thank you. Absolutely. And thank you for those that listened and watched and share this with a friend or share this with 10 friends. I hope you got something out of it. I know that I certainly did. And make sure to subscribe on YouTube and review and rate on Spotify and Apple. But most importantly, most importantly, take good care of yourselves and others. And we'll see you next time. Cheers. Cheers.